okay? Jesus said, I build my church. And if we don't understand how he does that, then we won't be being built. It's not rocket science. It's quite simple. And I want to start tonight by just reading out of chapter one of my book, or the introduction actually. And I hope this gives you some sort of insight into what we're going to unpack this year in relation to these five giftings. I want to start by asking you a question. Have you ever thought you had God and all his ways pretty much figured out, only for God to reveal to you a greater measure of himself and his purposes? If so, then this book is for you. In August 2008, while having a coffee in Wellington Cafe with a friend, I was presented with a view of God's plan for his church that I had never heard in my 10 years as a follower of Christ. I'd heard about it, but I hadn't heard it. I'd read about it, but I hadn't read it. If what I was hearing was true, then it would require me to radically rethink much of the way I was leading the Rock Church in Wellington, of which I was the senior pastor. What my friends shared challenged my understanding of how I thought God builds his church, the pattern he uses to do this, and what we as believers are called to be. If what my friend was sharing was true, it would mean I needed to change, and not in a minor way, but radically. It would require a complete rethink of the way I and we as his people approach him and his ways. That conversation, which lasted only an hour, was take, has taken more than six years to process. It's a journey I'm still on. It has, involved letting me, it has involved me letting go of aspects I once saw as pillars of my relationship with him. It has seen me explore and challenge a big part of what I thought was his first place priority. As I've done this, I've discovered a number of truths. Two that I want to share here are firstly that God is not afraid of my questions. He loves them. And as I got asked who will contend with me, while Jude appealed to the brethren to contend for the faith. Secondly, we are called to walk this Christian life out with others. And God uses others to not only reveal himself and his nature to us, but also to bring his truth in areas where we may not have perfect sight or vision. At the end of the coffee and having explained what the Lord had shown him about God's purpose and plan for us, his bride, the church, my friend asked me two challenging questions. Greg, will you walk with me to discover if what I'm saying is the truth and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal it in you? And secondly, if what I have shared with you today is not his truth and I am in a form of, dece a form of deception, would you walk with me as a brother and lead me back to truth? Or will you walk away from me right now and leave me in my deception? These questions were a challenge. On the one hand, much of what I just heard sounded like it required me to change the way I was thinking about certain aspects of God's truth and also change how I was operating at the rock. Now, on the other hand, what kind of a brother would I be if I was to leave my brother in his deception if in fact what he was sharing was just his vivid imagination. The content in this book is the outworking of my decision that day. 
What is amazing is that through this act of obedience to the Father, God has not only revealed in me and to me how he builds his church, but how he has opened up so much more of himself and his purposes for us as his people. The depth to what he has shown me and continues to show me is birthing so much more life in me, it's overwhelming. Christ is literally forming his life in me. This book is my personal testimony of having a good portion of my thinking dismantled by the spirit of truth and then allowing him to reassemble it. And if you've been on this journey and if you've known me, you'll know how passionate I was about reaching lost people, and I still am. And part of what we're going to unpack over this year is how God actually builds his church and how he brings alignment and the first place priorities of his heart. And if I don't have eyes to see from his perspective, then I am looking from my perspective and I won't be walking in an alignment to him. His life, his love will still cover me. His grace is still working with me. And he will walk with me trying to realign me onto the pathway of life, the life that's abundant, the life that's full. Not this little trickle, not this survival mentality just getting by every day, I hope I get by, but a life that's full of hope, full of life, that's able to bring hope and bring life because of the Christ within. Why? Because the building work that's going on is a work that's deep, a work that's genuine, a work of the power of the Holy Spirit, which none of us can do and none of us are supposed to be doing. See, man can build towers, man can build auditoriums, man can build many things in his image. But what man cannot build is the people of God in his image. And we have to be apprehended and arrested by his living word if we're going to be the people God has called us to be. We have to know the blueprint. We have to know the architectural design that sits behind his church. A church is not a building. It's not a place you come to. It's not a place you get married in. That is just a building. That is a temple. But that is not the church of Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus Christ are the people of God. And God has a very specific design to the way he builds. If he had a design for the tabernacle and he had a design for the temple, do you think he would have a design for his most precious temple being the people of God? Would he leave that to chance that we would figure out how it's done? He's not that silly. He's the wisest person I've ever met. Everything he's written has a purpose for it. Everything about the tabernacle, everything about the temple was down to the last detail. The specifics to everything he does is done with such precision. Why? Because he is the master builder. He is the architect. He has blueprint patterns to which he does everything. All of creation is built on a pattern, a blueprint. And if you adjust it slightly, we're all in trouble. So wouldn't you think it's really essential as his people 
as the church, as the modern temple, that we would grasp the magnitude of what is given to us. So then we can receive and live as God says it is written. Are you hungry for the reality of what he says you can have? That is a selfless, sacrificial, set-apart, sent servant. Firstly, connected into a body. Not for an individual life, but for a body. And these are the things we're going to unpack as we go through. And so I ask you to open your manuals, and we want to give you these manuals because we want you to keep them and eat them and think about it and write things in it. So as the Holy Spirit speaks, write it down, write it to the side, put it somewhere because he's going to speak to you. He's going to speak more than what I'm saying and you're to capture those nuggets and go back and spend some time and say, what are you talking to me about this? What does this mean? Because I'm telling you right now, God wants to change all of us. God is in the process of change. He loves change. He created change. You and I should be the most comfortable people with change. Why? Because aren't we going from one measure of strength on our innermost being to another? Isn't that what the Bible says? That's change, isn't it? Didn't Jesus come to change you and I? See, he didn't just come to save you from a justified place. He came to save your spirit, soul, body. Your whole being he came to take and change, transform what into? The likeness of himself. So when people see you and I, they see Christ. We are to be a glow stick. We are to be the light of the world, aren't we? We are to be the resource of life, aren't we? We are to be the wellspring of life, aren't we? Why? Because Jesus Christ is building his church and he's building it in us. And if he builds the kingdom in us, then he's going to come through us. So a world gets to experience the tangible reality of God. It says in 1 John 1 that they heard, saw, and touched the manifested word of life. Do you know who that was? Him. You want to touch him? You want to taste them? You want to see them? Do you want to hear them? Do you want them to build you? If you do, it's going to cost you much. Things can't be the same. If you really say yes to that, you won't be the same in six months' time. I'll guarantee you, you're going to have to let things go. You're going to have to let go of control. So if you really, 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 really want to be built, it will cost you. But how many people know it's not really a cost? There is no loss. There's only gain. There's nothing worth hanging on to that's not him. So the only thing he's asking you to let go of is stuff that's holding you back. Trying to control your life will hold you back. It'll keep you bound up in a small life. Yet you were created for much, much life. And the fivefold God has given 
to build under the anointing and the power of heaven a church that looks like, acts like, hears like, speaks like Christ. So the challenge is, will we receive the living truth? Will you receive what's spoken, the word of the Lord, so it can perform a work in you and so you can be changed and you can be a living stone as you already are in the temple that God is building? See, God doesn't build with little square blocks. He builds with all sorts of shapes. And he has the power to bring a round and a rectangle and a square together and just bring them in the power of his Holy Spirit and they all fit because they're living stones. They're different, but they're of the same kind. You see, man builds square bricks and he makes them and he puts them in a machine and he pumps them out and they all look the same. And they fit nicely and beautifully. But if you walk up and push them, they just fall over. The Father takes round stones, all the different shapes, all the different personality types, and he brings them together through the power of his Holy Spirit, through the apostle, the prophet, the teacher, the pastor, the evangelist, and he fits them together into this one body. And only he can do that. Because when you think about a circle and you think about a square, they don't fit, do they? Why do you think man designs his own shapes? Because man's trying to do it. But as we looked at on the weekend, things are impossible with man. But with God, they're fully possible. So key words you're going to hear are blueprint. Tonight I'm going to talk about the fivefold in the sense of a blueprint. Okay. Next week we'll unpack the apostle and the week after the apostle and the third week the apostle. Okay. But it's key that we understand we start knowing the framework because they all fit into this framework. They are not on their own. They fit together. And it's essential that they walk together. It's essential that they contend together because God has given them to contend to grapple with the Father. And so you're going to hear architecture, design, blueprint a lot. Because as Chris will tell you and all builders will tell you, they work to plans, don't you guys? You don't start by just making it up and go, oh, we'll figure out how it goes. We'll put something down here. We'll put something up here. and We'll put something up here. That's the she'll be right Kiwi attitude that, yeah, you get something that looks like a bit of a house, but it's got a lean to and, you know, you didn't check the foundation. So, you know, good earthquake, she falls over. God don't build like that. God builds strong houses that test. When they're tested, they stand. And they last the test of time. Why? Because they're built on the eternal substance, Jesus Christ. So in your notes, let's go to Ephesians 4, 1 to 24. Ephesians 4, 1 to 24. Ephesians is an incredible book. Do you know the theme of Ephesians? The main theme of Ephesians? Eternal purpose. The main theme of Ephesians is the eternal purpose for the church. 
I would encourage you to read the entire book and have a look what is in the book of Ephesians. Because if you can get a revelation on the book of Ephesians, you will not be the same. Think about that. The book is written to describe and explain the eternal purpose for you and I. So let's read Ephesians 4, 1 to 24. I love the title in the NASB. It says, Unity of the Spirit. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Have you come to terms yet with what the calling is? Do you understand what you've been called for? See why the book of Ephesians is about the eternal purpose? But is that living yet? Not a mental agreement, a living conviction which is going to change you radically the way you live. So we see Paul, he's saying, I'm imploring you to walk in a manner that's worthy of what you've been called for. So you can just walk through life. I don't know, just walking along, doing my own thing. So your your walk of your life's not associated with the walk of the calling. You're not living an appropriate life to the calling. You're just living for you. Well, there are consequences for that, isn't there? Because you weren't called, and we weren't called to be walking for us. We were called to be born to know what the hope of his calling and to walk out in accordance to the calling. So we're called to be selfless, sacrificial, set-apart servants who are sent. That's who we're called to be. So we have to ask ourselves, are we walking that out? You have to ask yourself, am I selfless or am I selfish? Who do I put first, me or other people? Verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, so this is how we're called to walk, all humility, that's humility of the spirit, and gentleness with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. See how it doesn't say create it, it says preserve it. (laughs) There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. There's that word again. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. He is completely in control of everything. But to each one, verse 7, but to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. It's really important. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. That's really important. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also who ascended far above the heavens, so that he might fill all things. You see, all things have been finished in him. Everything's done. There's nothing else that needs to be done. We have to receive what is and then live. 
God does not need you and I to do more. He needs you to receive what has been done. It's a complete wrong way round of the way most of us think. You know, you will provide for me, the song. It's actually a lie. He has. It's you have provided for me. See, we keep singing and speaking this negative, empty language. But God says, I'm the full God. It's a full language. It's happened. So it's not you will provide for me. It should be you have provided for me. It's just in an unseen realm that I haven't yet seen. So it's like you haven't because I haven't tapped into your realm. It's right there. But because I don't have eyes to see it, I say, you will provide for me. And God's going, I already have, you donkey. (laughs) And so we live in lack, waiting for something to happen that's happened. Because in all things, he has already done it. When he said it is finished, it means it is done, completed. There's no more to do. And it was done before the foundations of the world began. You see, the purpose of the fivefold is to bring to light this reality. It's to bring to light the authority of power of heaven into the reality, the full measure. So our minds start getting renewed to a reality that already is. So we stop living from lack and we live from abundance. God does not know lack. He doesn't know fear. Did you know that? He doesn't know fear. He's got no reference for fear. Only we do. He's got no reference for lack. It's only us. He understands our fear and he understands our lack. But fear is not of God. He even tells you that. The spirit of fear is not from me. That didn't come from me. That comes from your flesh. That comes from the fact that you are fallen, but I came to redeem you that you would not be bound by fear. For I have not given you a spirit of fear. What has he given us a spirit of? Love, power, sound mind. So a sound mind says, you have provided for me. I'm moving towards, by faith, conviction, living reality, and I'm tasting and seeing things that are actually present. So I'm partaking of water that's an eternal water that never runs dry. I'm not thirsty. Why? Because I'm not drinking this stuff. I'm drinking heavenly water in the unseen, but it's very seen to me. And the fivefold is to bring this full Reality into being. So the church then comes in behind this leadership gift and actually enters into the promised land. But it needs to be led. It needs leaders. It needs authority to break open into the realm of the Spirit, turn around and go, hey, come this way. You want to see the melons over here that I'm looking at. You want to see the fruit and the honey and the milk. Man, it's in abundance Come this way. See, Jesus, what did he do? He broke and went into the Holy of Holies, didn't he? Didn't the veil get torn and he went, now come follow me? He was the apostle. He's the chief apostle. He's the apostle of apostles. 
So we're all little mini-sergeants. If you have a gift of an apostle, you're a mini-apostle in light of the major apostle. And so one of the purposes of the apostle, and I'm getting away from my notes a little bit, but is to break open and into promised land, spiritual realities that the church is yet to discover. And then the apostle turns around and goes, Hey, this way. And then everybody receives the fruit of what he or she is seeing and receiving, and they become a messenger for it. God gives everything to build his church. Okay, let's come back to the scripture. Verse 11, and he gave, everyone say he gave, some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. What for, Greg? Here we go. For the equipping of the saints, that's you and me. The equipping of the saints, what for? Oh, God will tell you. For the work of service. (laughs) Serving who? See, so many people ask God to bless their ministry. God's saying, bless mine. I didn't create you to ask me to bless yours. You should be saying, Father, how do I bless your ministry? How do I get on board with your ministry? You're the author. You're the perfecter. I'm just a pawn. I'm a piece of chess in the game, but I am not the chess master. So you and I have been created for works of service that are his. Why and how we ever started looking for our own works of service and what are you going to do for me is just ludicrous but because man is building the church. So man will always look after man first and come up with his own conclusion when God has already given a conclusion. And man will always define his own foundation even though God has given man foundation. But see, man's mind must be opened by the Spirit for man to see God's conclusion and God's foundation. So he says, I give you these gifts. What for, Greg? For the equipping of God's people, for works of service, oh, to the building up of the body of Christ. That is not a mutated body, guys. That is a body that looks like one. It's not a body missing legs and arms. It doesn't look like it's been to Afghanistan and got blown up. Coming back in a wheelchair, it does not look like that. It looks like two legs, two arms, one head, one torso, Two ears, two eyes, one mouth, one nose, more hair than what I've got. (laughs) But what for? Well, let me tell you, until, okay, works of service, equipping the saints, the building up of the body of Christ, until we all, everyone say all, all attain, not 99, not one, all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. This is a powerful church. 
This is a powerful blueprint. This is powerful architectural design for a powerful fruit, for a powerful reality. He then goes on, verse 14, as a result, okay, here's your outcome now. You don't chase outcomes, but here is the outcome because you need to know the outcome of what God's doing so you can see you've got a reference for who we're becoming. Okay, So as a result of this architectural blueprint, we are no longer to be children. <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm a mature Christian because I've been a Christian 30 years. Well, maturity is not based around time. Maturity is based around fruit of the Spirit, how much responsibility you're carrying in the body of Christ. Are you serving God's design and serving other people? Are you laying your life down? Have you given up your life? That's the sign of maturity, not that I've been a Christian 35 years. You could be the most immature follower of Jesus, and you've got the most years on the board. Because how many people know that years have nothing to do with maturity? Maturity is grown. It's built. It's formed. You see, you get a gift for free. But maturity, you don't get for free. Maturity has to be grown over years, months. It's formed in a person, isn't it? And you know what that looks like? looks like this. No longer children, no longer tossed here and there by the waves and carried away by every wind of doctrine. <laughs> That's not demonic stuff. That can just be, let me show you another way to Jesus. That could be the way you think it's done. It sounds so close, but it's called another gospel. It's another way. You go around the pen, not through the gate. You see, it's a narrow gate, isn't it? Thanks, Chris Reddington. It's not a narrow path, it's a narrow gate. There's only one gate. His name is Jesus. There are not ten ways to God. And there are not ten ways into the life of God. There is one. And only one. So we have to know the one, the way. He goes on, he says, by every trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into how many? All aspects into him who was the head, even Christ. Verse 16, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. I'm going to read that again. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into all aspects, into him, all aspects. Looks like the uh, mature man, doesn't it, down below there in verse 13, to the measure of the stature. So he repeats himself. Love this, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part, 
which causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. That is so intentional. That is so specific. That is architecturally blueprintedly designed of a way in which it all happens. You can't get around that. And when everybody plays their part, then you have a body that looks like a body. Not this mutated looking thing that goes, yeah, I'm a healthy body. Don't ask me about my leg I don't have. What happened to that? Oh, they're all running around trying to find themselves, trying to build their own ministry. You know how many frustrated evangelists I meet? Many. I met one two weeks ago. Frustrated. Why? Because he doesn't know the fit and he doesn't know his design. He doesn't know how he fits into the body. He's got this thing in him, this grace in him that needs to be outworked, but the body doesn't really like evangelists because they make us feel uncomfortable because they talk about getting out behind the walls and getting into the city and getting to the marketplaces and getting out there and leaving yourself behind. Oh, shut up. I don't like what you say. Go away. So we can reject the evangelist. We can reject the apostle. We can reject the prophet. We can reject all these giftings because they bring a realm and a reality with them which will set us free if we'd surrender to them, but they scare the pants off us at the same time. See, the truth that sets you free is powerful, isn't it? The truth that sets you free and sets you ablaze has force and power of heaven behind it. That's how it sets you free. At the same time, though, it has the power to propel you from where you are right out on the other side of the planet where you run away from him. Why? Because you're hearing and seeing from your flesh and flesh is built in fear and fear is built in pride. And so although it's come to set you free, you actually, because of the way you hear it and see it and your lack of knowledge, has you running the other way. That was Adam in the garden. Yes? What on earth is Adam running away from the living God, when two seconds ago he was communing with God because he was poisoned by a thing called sin. And sin smears the way you can see. Paul's message this morning, so you're partly blinded and God has come to open your eyes to the full reality of God. But because you're partially sight and partially blinded, you don't recognize truth when it's right in front of you. So you reject it thinking you're in truth, but actually the Bible says the way that seems right to a man, but it ends in death. And here is an absolutely clear blueprint in front of us for the way Jesus builds his church. So let's go to the notes. It says, the core purpose or theme The core purpose or theme of the book of Ephesians is on the eternal purpose for the church. The core purpose or theme of the book of Ephesians is on the eternal purpose for the church. So we see this architectural blueprint design placed in a book called Ephesians. And the whole book isn't related to the eternal purpose. You capture that? That's really important. 
God, next line, primarily builds and equips his church now. God primarily builds and equips his church now in preparation for his eternal purpose. Because this is where we are spending our eternity. So God primarily builds and equips his church now in preparation for his eternal purpose because this is where we are spending our eternity. Isn't this earth and the heavens being rolled up? So why are we hanging around here so long? Why do we think this is where we're going to be anchored to when it's disappearing? You know what happens if you're building for the earth when it gets rolled up? You don't want to know. See, if you're anchored to a dodgy foundation and the foundation goes, don't you go with it? If you're anchored to it. So we need to be anchored in the right foundation. And yet so many of the church are anchored to the temporal not the eternal, because we've written off the eternal as this abstract thing that we don't really worry about because we don't understand it. But we need to understand it because actually that's where God starts. Heaven is my home, not the earth. I'm going to Cambodia tonight. Cambodia is not my home. I only get a visitor's visa when I enter because I'm a visitor. I have visitation rights into Cambodia. Are you a citizen of earth or a citizen of heaven? Are you an ambassador of earth or an ambassador of heaven? See, the Bible tells me we're ambassadors of heaven, which means I'm not an ambassador of the earth, which means I live completely different to the earth. I'm not here to serve or, sorry, I'm here to serve my Father's will on the earth because I'm an ambassador from heaven living on the earth. I'm unattached to the earth and its pull, its gravitational pull, which is the flesh and our enemy. The fivefold, when released and received, will build this reality into the church. Why? Because it's received it. Didn't learn it. God God embedded it through the power of revelation. Hebrews 3 verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers. You've got to partake of a heavenly calling. The Bible says to partake of Christ, which means to eat his flesh, drink his blood. doesn't mean just give him lip service. You've got to eat him, drink of him. So we've got to partake of a reality that we're called for. And that calling is a heavenly calling, not an earthly calling. You see, the heavenly defines the earthly. That's why it makes it so essential. And next week, I'm, we're going to look at the role of the apostle is to bring to life the eternal perspective for the church. That's the key role of the apostle is to bring to life the eternal perspective and the alignment that God wants to build into the church. So it walks out 
her identity. How many of I asked you now to put up your hand could confidently go, I'm an ambassador of heaven, living and receiving? Don't do it. How many of you actually are still attached to the earth, looking for your life source in someone else, looking for your life source in a job, looking for your purpose here? Can I encourage you to get your eyes off here and set your mind on the things above where Christ is seated in the heavenly places for my life has been hidden in Christ, Colossians 1, 1 to 3. Because that is where your purpose sits, not here. And as that gets defined, this thing gets outworked. It is always vertical first, then horizontal second. Problem with the church is it doesn't know vertical, only knows horizontal. Only knows what's right in front of its nose. So it can't see what's written here because it's not looking. You need to put these on. Hey! So underneath that scripture, the evidence of this equipping and building the evidence of this equipping and building work of the kingdom of God in our lives and through our lives is to speak of and give testimony to God's glory in the earth today, now. So I'll read it as one sentence. The evidence of this equipping and building work of the kingdom of God in us, in our lives, and through our lives, is to speak of and give testimony to God's glory in the earth today, right now. You see, this eternal perspective is not abstract. It's living, active, sharper than any double sword. And when it goes to work in your heart and mind, it changes you that people actually start to see the demonstration of it on the earth. That's what gives this life meaning. Doesn't the Bible say if we're living for this life, we are to be pitied pitied more than all men? Why do you think it says that? He's trying to awaken you to a reality that there's a heavenly calling for you. You were called for heavenly things because you are living your eternity with him. Greg, are you saying that this is, makes this earth irrelevant? No. What I said makes it more irrelevant. But without that reality, you will probably live for you on this earth instead of living for him. And when life gets tough... You don't have something to hope in. You don't have a joy that's beyond this earth. So the, whatever it is takes you out possibly or wrecks you. But for the joy set before him, he went to the cross. He saw you and I, so he went to the cross. For the joy that was set before him, his father, what was happening, he went to the cross as a man. Not as God. See what joy can do? That's an eternal substance though. And it comes when God's blueprint and architecture is in place. It comes. God is not a liar. We all read it, didn't we? Did we all read the fruit of what happens when you put the right process in place? See how we're challenged, eh? 
See, when the measuring stick is him and not your idea, it brings humility, it brings desperation because you're looking at the real truth, you're looking at the real standard, unity of the faith. What does that mean? Anyone know? Knowledge of Jesus Christ. Isn't the church built on the knowledge of Jesus Christ? What would that look like? The mature man to the full stature. Do you know what that means? That means no offense, no hurt, no division. Why? Because when offense comes, what's in you is greater than the offense and you love on the offense. And the reason we get offended is because we don't know who we are. And the reason why we're hurting people is because we don't know who we are. So we're really, we're children because we act like children because we get offended because we don't get our way. And even if it's the other person's behavior and the behavior's wrong, Christ in you, the hope of glory, is greater than what's coming at you. So God gives his church these five giftings to build this immovable people, this incorruptible word, the seed that goes out, which creates an indestructible life that the gates of Hades will not overpower. Isn't that what the scriptures say? Are we captivated by the reality that God says is? I was asleep to it eight years ago. Literally asleep. It was lovely. <laughs> okay, two types of ministry. This is really good. Ministry that blesses, ministry that builds. Let me give you an understanding of what I'm talking about. How many people here like prophecy? Yep, yep. All right. Do you know the whole Bible is a book of prophecy? So if you like prophecy, you got a massive book on prophecy. And prophecy is to no longer be prophecy, it's to be realized. So God blesses us with prophecy. He speaks of a future reality that's for you to get you off you and onto him. Okay? He says you can be the greatest football player on the planet. Really? Yeah, with my help. He says that you can sit with me on my throne. What now? No. In eternity, because you were built for a heavenly purpose. So he's going to bless me with a word that already is in his realm. Okay? Are you tracking with me? Everything's done. So he's calling you into an already done realm where to realize what's written down. So he gives you this blessing prophecy, Revelation 3.21. He who overcomes, I will grant him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Have you received that through the ability to hear the living word so it's apprehended and grabbed you, spun you around because there's a promise for you in the future that is now. And he gives you that as a blessing to build you. Because unless you're being built, that will never be realized. 
You need the blessing and the building, the building and the blessing. But more often than not, we just want the blessing. What am I going to be doing in five years? Go on, give me the prophecy. Oh, it feels so good. Oh, yeah. And then he says, okay, this is what I see. Great. Now stop. Do not run off and try and make that happen. I'm going to put someone in your life right now, and they're going to father you and mother you into the reality of that. I'm going to put someone in your life that's going to do a building work, a deep, deep building work, and they're going to mother you, which means mothers at times have to use discipline, and fathers use discipline to get the outcome that God has spoken. And what we do is this, don't need you, thanks, see ya. Because I'm chasing the blessing word I've got. Man, it was awesome. Just never arrives. Never comes into fruition. Why? Because I sabotage it. Why? Because there's no building work going on. And God put someone in my life to father and mother me, to help me, to build into me the substance and the building blocks I needed so when I got to the place of the blessing word, the work has been done. But I reject the process because sometimes I don't like what my mum or my dad was trying to say. Just like I didn't when I was growing up. 16, 17, you think you're bulletproof, you think you know it all. How did so someone so incredible come out of some people that just don't have it together? <laughs> I don't know. You think you're the man, you think, and you think you know everything, don't you? You think you've got wisdom beyond them. And so they let you go off. Okay. Go and live that out. Doors always open. That sound like him. And yet he gives us people in our lives with gifts on their lives to build the church. You see, how many times or how many experiences have you had or know that a prophet firstly is a builder? Think about that. All we've done is created the prophet as a blessing ministry. The prophet comes in and he blesses. And then he goes. I reckon God wants a prophet in every church. So the building work goes on. But see, we don't do that because we're only one-eyed and we just look for the blessing. But actually a prophet has an anointing and a gracing to build the house. Same with an apostle, same with a teacher, same with a pastor, same with an evangelist. But we don't think like that. Why? Because we haven't created that because we can't see what's on the page. We just go, oh, man, give us the blessing. Let's bring them in and let's bless the people. Is that wrong? No. Steve came, amazing. But for those words to be realized, they need building, substance, because you may not have the substance or the character in you when that word comes. <laughs> it's massive, isn't it? 
So God blesses us so he can build us. Because he knows we're so selfish, and he knows if he starts with building, we go, nah, what's in it for me? (laughs) See, until you've fallen in love, you're like, nah, what's in it for me? What do I get out of it? I'm going to make my decisions on if that costs me or not. I'm going to re rework, yeah, not yet. I'm prepared to pay that price, and I work it for me. That's not kingdom. That's flesh. He says, you're in all in all. So here are these two ministries. John 6, in your notes, I won't go there, but it's a 52 to 56, as you eat my flesh, you drink my blood. There's a building work or word. Ooh. How many people got offended at that? Heaps. Everything was going well till he said that. <laughs> they were like, yeah, you're the man, Jesus. You're the man. That's right. You're the man. Yeah, that's right. I'm the man. Now eat my flesh and drink my blood. <laughs> you're not the man anymore, brother. You ain't the man. <laughs> Why? Because to their mind, that was a sin. Drink blood, that is against the law. We do not do that. But Jesus said, you know what? Another day has arrived. Another kingdom just turned up, and it's forewritten in my Father's Scriptures. You should know this time. But you don't. Why? Because you ain't got the right glasses on, and so your minds aren't being open to the reality that stands right in front of you. You see, I was blinded to the fivefold, yet it's in God's word. I'd heard teaching on it. I'd been to seminars on it. I didn't hear it. I don't even know if it was really being preached right, to be honest. Because you can preach this stuff from your intellect, or you can preach it from a living place. And the only place to preach it from any word is the living place. Because that's the only place that has life and power. Everything else is just words. And God says, I don't build my kingdom on words. I build it on power. (laughs) Any good? Because I don't want you building your faith on man. I want it on God. So here are these two ministries. The fivefold builds and it blesses. It blesses and it builds. Just underneath that, it says, it's the word that equips and builds that makes the blessing word become a realization. It's the word that equips and builds, which is the building word that makes the blessing word become a realization. Do you want to sit with him on his throne forever in eternity? Is that outside of our grasp tonight. It's okay if it is. It's like, what are you talking about? That is not even in the sphere of reality. That's fine. What's not fine is to not go after that because it's for you. And God is forever patient and he will wait a long time. You see, I say that because I'm trying to stir you towards something greater. That You were, you were born for re, um, royalty. You were born to sit next to mighty Jesus Christ. It's called a what? Bride. (laughs) 
Is your mind hurting? It's okay if your mind's hurting. Hey, when I went through some of the stuff, man, my mind was hurting. I said to stop. Can I have a break? Yep. Okay. Can we see you tomorrow? Yep. Cool. <laughs> it's okay for your mind. You're going to feel like your mind's going to explode over this year. It needs to. Because he needs to break the mindsets that some of us have, old thinking, and those mindsets don't bring life, but we hold on to them because one day they will, but they don't seem to. And he's going to renew and then put back. And it does come good. Trust me. It's like, <laughs> and all of a sudden, like, hey, I can see the fogginess, the dizziness, sort of, <gasps> there it is. So if that's happening, it's good. Okay, it's not wrong. It's good because those mo- those guys on the road to Emmaus didn't have a clue who he was, and no clue who he was. <laughs> have you not been around here? <laughs> Did you not hear about the guy that was up on the cross? Uh, yeah, it was me. <laughs> I felt every bit of it, <laughs> and the Bible says he had to open their minds to understand what was right in front of them. Everything you need is contained in this Bible. Everything. Every question you've asked is found right here or in someone else. But that is still here. That makes sense? Okay. Um, number one. <laughs> here we go. Oh, man, a bit of hurry. Got a plane to catch. <laughs> okay, number one. The fivefold ministry gifts are empowered by God to bless, equip, and build the church. The fivefold ministry gifts are empowered by God to bless, equip, and build the church in alignment to God's eternal purpose. Did we get all that? So the fivefold is contained in Ephesians 4. What's in Ephesians 5? The what? So, yeah. the marriage covenant. So hold on. The fivefold's chapter 4. Chapter 5 is the marriage covenant between Christ and... Do you think those things are linked? Just saying. Do you think there's a precept upon precept upon precept? Do you know what's in chapter 6? The armour of God. Do you think if you get the revelation through the fivefold being built that you better get your armour on because the enemy doesn't want to see the bright established on the earth? Do you wonder why no one knows about the fivefold? And why we don't see it or we really see it operating in the world today? Because it builds the bride. You see, when God started showing me this, I'm going, well, where are these apostles? Where are they here? I don't know anything. I'm a first-generation follower. No, nothing. Where are the prophets? Where are the evangelists? Where, where is this blueprint? started asking people. Well, I don't know. No, I don't know. Do you know about? No. Huh. 
Do you know who taught me? Him. Why? Because no one else was there that could teach me. I looked. I went flying around the country. Looking, asking, knocking. Do you know anything about the fivefold, the millennial reign of Christ? No. But you write books. You've got ministries of thousands of people following you. Certainly must, someone must know about this stuff. Otherwise, I'm going loopy. (laughs) No. And the Holy Spirit taught me. Do you know the Holy Spirit is to be your teacher? Not me. I can bring a living word, but I cannot teach you. Can you hear what I'm saying? I can't reveal God. I'm not called to, not supposed to be able to, thank God. What I am called to do is bring you a living, revealed word from heaven. And I will commit to you that's what I will do all the time. So the fivefold ministry gifts are empowered by God to bless, equip, and build the church in alignment to God's eternal purpose. Ephesians 4, 7, in your notes, but to each one of us, grace, power, that means, was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Okay, so these giftings are graced from above. That's what Scripture clearly teaches you and I. But to each one, Of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Power. What for? To live out the calling and the purpose of what God intended. So God graces and empowers everything he wants to see happen. We do not have to spin it up. He graces it. Why? Because he's the perfecter of all things. He leaves nothing to chance. Can you hear that? Stop trying and receive grace. Number two, the fivefold ministry gifts are God's blueprint for this equipping and building work. Now, everything you hear, and I'm just going to repeat this over and over, is under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. So you can find five people with these gifts on their life, but if they are not walking intimately with the Lord and speaking revealed truth, then you won't get the outcomes God's talking about. They are empowered, anointed by the Holy Spirit because it is the Holy Spirit that builds the church. Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God caused the growth. So you have to see this. On the left hand, you have the fivefold. On the right hand, you have the Holy Spirit. You bring them together, interfuse together, and you have the power of God to build the church. But there is an order. It goes Holy Spirit first, blueprint second. Blueprint. The fivefold. Oh, yeah, the blueprint, not the church. Sorry. (laughs) The church that got planted out of here called Blueprint years ago. Is that clear? So there's a defined order, but it's actually a position of one. Why would God give five gifts for the sake of it? If it was just about God doing it all. Doesn't make sense, does it? Doesn't to me. So he's looking for something. He's looking 
for something. Ephesians 4, 11 to 12, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body he gave. You don't decide that you're going to be an apostle, a prophet, a teacher, a pastor, or an evangelist. You don't go, oh, I think I'll be that. He gave to his church. There's no choice in it. You don't line up and go, which one am I going to pick? Definitely not that one. Yes, that one. Okay? He calls. Paul said, I am called. You don't choose it, it is given. Settles all the issues. So don't try and run in a lane that you're not called to run in. Otherwise, you will get in trouble and something will be built that's not of God. It might look like God, but I guarantee you it won't be of God. And God will allow it. Give us a king. Don't want you to have a king. Give us a king. Don't want you to have a king. Give us a king. Okay. Have your king. See how you get on. Going to teach you some lessons by giving you this king. Not to punish them in the hope they turn back from their wicked ways and actually start doing it his way, yes? Saul wasn't the greatest king. (laughs) See what happens when you're in your own way? You won't surrender to the way? You get in trouble. So God gives. So number three, the person is the gift. Okay, the person is the gift. Number four, Jesus is the giver of the gift, the person. Just right after that, to his church. Jesus is the giver of the gift, the person. What do you do with a gift? You open it. Gifts that are given that left on the table unopened are worthless, aren't they? So we get gifts, we open the gift, we celebrate, we say thank you for the gift, and we receive the gift, don't we? That's what we do in the flesh. What about in the spirit? What happens when a mum comes along and says, you know what, Sally? There's a few things that you've got a little bit out of whack. And the attitude that you're carrying and the what you did there, it's not of him. How well is that received? Because the gift, the person just came to help build and to shepherd into a reality that they know is not of him but is of her. How's that then received? Who do you think you are? Hey, you think you're better than me? You think you know more than me? No, just trying to serve you because I've got sight of something that you might not have. I'm for you, not against you. I'm here to help together, walk together, to see God build us together. You see, so many gifts left are left unopened. 
and we wonder why the church isn't really known for love. Would you say the church is known for love as a whole? Do you think the world think we are known for love? But isn't the standard they will know my people by the way they love one another, by the oneness that a world would look at and know Christ? Why do you think that is? The church has been going for 2,000 years. Mate, if Jurgen Klopp had Liverpool for 2,000 years and still can't get into the top of the league, he's in trouble, isn't he? Don't people get sacked for not performing? Fair game in it. There's the expectation, not meeting it, need to find someone else. Well, there's an expectation of what God does and how he does it all. So if we're still not finding the fruit of the life of what's in and it's clearly mapped out, there must be something wrong. Is that a fair estimation? And is the problem God? So the problem's the church. Always has been, always will be. But you know behind every problem is a promise. And God gives every promise as yes and amen. As we come into the reality of understanding this five-fold blueprint, this architectural design that God has given people who have a gracing on them to perform a specific function in the building up of God's people. It's beautiful, exquisite, simple, profoundly simple. He writes it down. And he gives you the outcome, he gives you the fruit that you would look at and go, now let me measure myself by the true standard called your word. In the hope that if we don't meet that standard, we would turn, it's called repentance, let go of what we think and how we're designing it and turn and move towards the truth. Why? So I can receive the fullness of what I've read. I was born for greatness. I was born for life and life abundant. I was given a hope that I could sit with him in eternity if I overcome. So God says, Greg, I've given the church everything she needs to build overcomers. My church isn't doing it my way, son. Will you do it? Will you be an advocate for my way? Will you stand up and be persecuted for my church? I said, God, I can't fix her. He said, I didn't ask you to fix her. Or you lay your life down and serve her. I can do that because I can't fix it because I can see it. He said, I didn't ask you to. I do that. Not you. Well, that sounds good. (laughs) Will you serve her with me? Will you serve the person beside you and give your life for the call of God? Will you be the church that he looking for with me? I'm gone. yes, I'm in, I'm in boots and all, there's no way back, you are the answer, you hold it all, that is rubbish compared to what I found. Will you walk with me? Will you love me as I love you? Will you cover my sin as I cover yours? Will we be the church that Jesus is looking for in the time frame that we have, guys, it's running out. 
There's an urgency and the church is asleep building babels and temples in his name. But I'm looking for the life, the substance of Christ in the people of God. Overcomers who stand in the face of opposition. Overcomers who stand in the face of persecution and say, I will love you to death. I will not revile against you. I will love you. Even if you kill me, I will love you. Why? Because of the Christ that's been built in me. And he has given a DNA, a blueprint for you and I to surrender to, to receive from. It's a gift from God to us. And for most people, it remains untapped, unopened, and so they have the fruit of their life. I'm just a little bit passionate about this. I'm seeing people enter into this here. I look at Mel and I see someone who's embraced it. I see Kirk. I see Danielle. I see Paul. I see Chris. I see Sandra. I see Vera. I see Chris. I see Sam. I see you guys. I see people embracing, but I see people resisting. I see people resisting because it's scary. It requires surrender, submission. It requires letting go. How do I know I can trust you? Don't put your trust in me. Put your trust in him and trust me. You see, I can't break your trust if you don't give me trust in the sense of put my, don't put your trust in me, trust me. And I will trust you, but I will not put my trust in you. For God knows what is in every man, the potential in every man to fall. So when man falls, if my trust is in God, I can pick man up, even if they break trust with me, because they don't break me, because my trust is in him. Imagine that in a marriage covenant. What did God give marriage for? One. So if one person falls into adultery, because the other person is not trusting in them, but trusting in God, they can restore the marriage because they Trust is in the Lord. You can't break someone you don't have. Do you know what this? The fivefold will build this reality into you. The fivefold anointed under the grace and it's Christ. The fivefold is Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? He was the main apostle. We just read it in Hebrews. Did you capture that? He is the chief apostle, the high priest of his own church. Why is it number one? Gonna look at that. If we have time, what is the time? Got to catch a plane. Hold the plane, Lord. <laughs> Thanks. Um, okay. Everything I've said, you've got on page two is the purpose of having these people functioning as the gift. Okay. So there's the outcome. There's the results of having these people functioning as the gift. There's the functioning order now. 1 Corinthians 12, 28, as God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. Can I just say this right at the start, that no gift is better than the other, okay? It's all the same. No gift is better than the other. They just have different functions. So some gifts are leadership giftings, building giftings. Some are serving giftings in the sense of the gifts of hospitality is to serve, to create an environment which helps the building work. 
but some gifts actually build up, okay, under the gracing and the anointing. Okay, so God has appointed these. Question, why is there a specific order given by God to the people he has appointed in his church? Why is there a specific order given by God to the people he has appointed in his church? Well, why doesn't it say first prophets, second teachers, first, uh, third apostle? Why isn't it miracles, apostles, teachers, prophets? Because he does everything in accordance to his design. And this is not one is better than two. This is how we look at it. Ah, oh, stink. I'm third. <laughs> I guess that's better than being fifth. But I really want to be number one. You ain't grace to be number one, son. Be happy with being third. Be happy with being the little toe. The little toe is just as important as the apostle. In fact, if the little toe don't play their part, the body falls over. Can't walk straight without a little toe, can you? You see, there's an order, but it's a functioning. It's a ranking. God gives us these physical shadows. An army has rank, doesn't it? And doesn't an army work best when it follows the ranking? See, we understand it in the physical, but as soon as you then approach, appropriate it into the spiritual, you watch the flesh manifest. Are you saying that you... No, he is. I'm just reading out what he says. So we've got to understand why he's written it down in the order he's written it down. Because it's there for a purpose. So Jesus, in your notes, has appointed... Isn't that what it says? God has appointed in the church. So Jesus has appointed a specific functioning order or ranking because it's in alignment with how he builds his church in accordance to his eternal purpose for the church. So once again, Sure. Jesus has appointed a specific functioning order or ranking because it's in alignment with how he builds his church in accordance, which is in your notes, to his eternal purpose for his church. That's really, really important you get that. Because you understand that he's building his church for an eternal reality. The church is to be making herself ready for a wedding ceremony. It says that the wise slave will give the appropriate food to the household at the proper time, doesn't it? That you would be found eating the right food because that's preparing you for what's coming. You see, some of us need to change our diet radically. Some of us just need to tweak now and again. 
But if you want to be made ready, you've got to be eating the right food. And it's not food that perishes. It's the eternal food. Because the diet determines the destination. So foundation, conclusion, diet, right foundation, eat the right food, destiny, conclusion, made ready. I'm ready for when he comes. And even if he doesn't come in my lifetime, I'm ready. It's not about when, it's why. Those people are waiting, cheering us on, and they are ready. And the Bible says they will not receive their full reward until we come in, whoever we will be. The church that's ready, not the church that's asleep. You're going to miss out. You've got to hear that. You're going to miss out if you're asleep. Go read your word. It's clearly written in the word in red letters. Jesus' words, he's teaching you. You'll miss out if you're not ready. That does not mean you're not going to be in heaven. It does not mean you won't be in the kingdom, but you will not be his bride. God goes to great lengths to tell you five wise, five foolish. He goes to great lengths to tell you what happened to the man that didn't use his talent. What you have there is an inner realm reality, the bride of Christ, the wise virgins, and you have the works reality. Inner, external. Spirit of fruit, spirit of works. Works of what? That makes it fruit of the spirit, spirit of work. The other way around. No, 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 no. There is the fruit of the spirit, and then there's the works of the spirit. They go hand in hand. Not one or the other, but they are one position. So the righteous acts of the saints are the linen garments. So works that have come from this place, faith, through the transformation, the knowledge of God you carry, Abraham lived out laying it down. It's a righteous act, not any act, not any good work or any good intention, a righteous one because it's come from this realm into this realm because the Father ordered it. And you know it because you what? You are intimate with the Father, not just a good Christian running around thinking you've got to do a bless your neighbor month. (laughs) But do a bless your neighbor month, but get the righteous work from the Father. Okay? So here's this order. Bible, once again, is clearly telling you, Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, This is all in your notes. But you are fellow citizens with the saints. Woo, come on. And are of God's household. Doesn't the Bible say the saints are going to judge the world? 1 Corinthians 6. Is that going to be now? You're going to rock up with Donald Trump, do you think? No. When do you think that's going to be? When you come back with him. Isn't he coming back to establish his kingdom on the earth? Is that a bit too far to grasp? Get the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. Change your life. I looked at it and went, who are these people going to judge the world? Who are the saints? I pray the eyes of your heart will be enlightened to the knowledge of God, to the riches of the inheritance in the saints. The saints is the church. Some of you are looking at me like, what? (laughs) This is a big God with a big order and a big design. Not these little people that are surviving life. 
Come on. There is food to be eaten that's of eternal substance and it's abundant. It never runs out. You are called for greatness. You are called for an eternal purpose. You are called not to be a mere human being. I'm tired of hearing I'm just a human. No, you're not. That's demonic. You are more than a human because you have the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ in you and He gave you that to transform you into His image that you would be like the Christ because as He was, you and I are called to be. We are more than human. I have the power of heaven living in me, coming out of me. I have the eternal fruit. I don't walk on this earth, I walk above it. And that does not mean that I don't struggle with stuff, but it doesn't bind me or hold me because I overcome it. Not through my strength, but through the Christ I know and the food I eat. And it is for you and I, not special people, not prophets, not apostles, not evangelists, the body of Christ. But God has given a specific DNA, blueprint, architectural design that He gives gifts, graced under the anointing, surrendered under the Father with a functional work to speak and then to rest and let the Father do His work. And it has an order. Having been built on the foundation of the That's interesting. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, the head, in whom the whole building, the church, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Who is the builder of the church? Jesus. Whose church is it? Jesus's. How does Jesus build his church? Revelation of himself through the Spirit and the fivefold ministry. Last point. Opposition to the fivefold ministry. There is massive opposition from the religious or Pharisaical spirit. P H A R I S A I C A L. P-H-A-R-I-S-A-I-C-A-L. There is massive opposition from the religious or pharisaical spirit when it comes to the apostle and prophet operating in their function. Luke 11, 37, 52. Now he had spoken, sorry, now when he had spoken, a Pharisee, that's Jesus, asked him to have lunch with him. And he went in and reclined at the table. When the Pharisee saw it, he was surprised that he had not first ceremonially washed before the meal. But the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but inside of you are full of robbery and wickedness. You foolish ones. Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give that which is within as charity, and then all things are clean for you. 
But woe to you Pharisees, for you pay tithe of mint and rue and every kind of garden herb, and you disregard justice and the love of God. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the chief seats in the synagogues and the respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like concealed tombs, and the people who walk over them are unaware of it. Woe of the lawyers. One, uh, uh, sorry, one of one of the lawyers said to him in reply, "Teacher, when you say this, you insult us too." Yeah, that's the point. But he said, "Woe to you, lawyers, as well, for for you weigh men down with burdens hard to bear, while you yourselves will not even touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets, and it was your fathers who killed them. So you are witnesses and approve the deeds of your fathers, because it was they who killed them, and you build their tombs. For this reason also, the wisdom of God said, I will send to them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill, and some they will persecute. So that the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the house of God. Yes, I tell you, it shall be charged against this generation. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You yourselves did not enter and you hindered those who were entering. Now, here's the thing. Pharisee is not someone who dresses up in religious garb. We're dealing with spiritual realities. The Pharisee is a spirit, and it's blind. There's only spirit of flesh, spirit of Christ. We're afflicted with both. Correct? Anyone doesn't have flesh here? Because God is making us perfect, isn't he? That's the whole point of sanctification. Do you know you and I can be and operate as a Pharisee? Certainly not. I love Jesus. I'm sure you do. But you can operate from a position of blindness and never know it, and what's standing right in front of you trying to help you and speak life to you, you can't hear. You see, God sent apostles and prophets because they are the key of knowledge. There's an order, apostle one, prophet second. For the measure that these giftings, these people are in, and the measure of knowledge is growing. So it's not like you get this perfect, already mature person rock up. You can because they've been walking this out for years. So like every gifting, there's a better maturity because it's not determined on the gifting maturity, is it? The gift is given. So as the person grows and matures, they operate in the function and a better alignment of the gift that is upon them. But they have a gracing, a power. Think of Paul. Paul was what? An apostle. What was Paul's ministry? He was revealed a mystery that had been hidden. Do you know what the mystery was? 
Christ in us, the hope of glory. Sounds good. Is he living out of you? You see, it's not just this nice, oh yeah, Christ in me, the hope of glory, da 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 da, and then I leave the door and life falls over. It's Christ in you is the hope of glory. I'm in labor again until Christ is formed in you, and I will constantly be in labor, and I will constantly be a prisoner of the Lord to lay my life down for the church because I am a gift for you to receive so you would literally come into the life of Christ in you, not just have a deposit of the Spirit. He then goes and says, I've also been given the knowledge of the mystery of the administration that builds this reality. It's called the fivefold, to which I am a key player. Why do you think God said and allowed him to say, imitate me as I imitate him? You and I are called not all to be apostles, but apostolic. Greg, what on earth is apostolic? It's the heartbeat, the nature, and the character, and the life of Christ in you and I. What does that look like? It looks like it's selfless. Doesn't that look like Christ? Yes? Have you read my book? His book. I'm there, I give you five reality scriptures of the church being selfless, sacrificial, servant, Missed that one out, sorry, it's in the new edition. <laughs> Sent uh, and set apart. Isn't that the same? So Jesus, John 3.16, God gave his son to lay his life down. What is 1 John 3.16? Someone please tell me. No greater love that you would lay your life down for your brother. Oh, Jesus was the son, the church's sons. Apostolic Jesus is the apostle. What was Moses? A type of Christ. He's a type of apostle. What was Peter? An apostle. What was Paul? Can you see the pattern? Can you look at those men's lives and the lives of Christ and see a pattern and go, come follow me and be apostolic? Why? Because it is a heaven down to earth, not an earth looking up to heaven. Jesus was the apostle from heaven living on the earth. Paul was a man of the earth. His name was Saul. And he was embedded in the earth and the law. And then he, on the road to Damascus, gets blinded. Then he gets a revelation of Christ, which brings the gospel to life. He didn't learn it. He wasn't that clever. God had to smash the man. Why? Because he said, you're my chosen instrument to go to the Gentiles and this nation called Israel. And I'm going to put in you grace, 
power, everything you need to accomplish the mission that I've given you. And Paul said, I'm laying my life down to see the church become the church, to come into the mystery that is Christ literally wants to be in you. It's not this little, yeah, Christ is in me, and then I live. It's Christ is in me. Christ comes out of me because he's being formed in me. And the fivefold is the administration to see that work completed because it's a building work. Jesus said, I build my church and I give these gifts to build the church. So where are the gifts? Well, we're praying for them here. We've got an apostle, a pastor, a prophet, teacher, and hoping for an evangelist, if you sense that you've got an absolute urgency on you to get out of these walls and get into the city and start preaching, if you find yourself just preaching, you can't not be speaking Jesus, please come and see me. Because we need you to complete this gift mix of Christ to the measure that we're all in. He's been building this for eight years here. It takes time. Because he must build it and every human must give their yes and amen. If one says no or doesn't come under the anointing of the Spirit and surrender, you have someone with a gift that's not walking in the Spirit. So it doesn't work. You can't just go, right, now let's go find this fivefold. Are you an apostle? Are you a prophet? Oh, no, you may be. No, God has to what? Lead it. Reveal it, raise them up, show you this is the spiritual work, not man's work. That's easy, but you don't get the fruit of what you read about when it's man. But guys, there is massive opposition. Why? Well, do you think that the enemy wants this church on the earth? Attaining unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ, no longer being children, no longer tossed here and there by the waves. We will speak the truth in love. We will grow up into all aspects of Christ. We will be playing our function and role as the body. Does that sound like the military ship that's been prophesied over this church? Military ships blow up things, don't they? They're not cruising around having pina coladas. They are intent on one purpose with one mission, to achieve one goal. What's that? The will of God? (laughs) I think I'll leave it there. It's big, eh? Actually, let's just fill in these blanks. That's so polite, Sally. Yes, please. (laughs) The church gets built. So this is an alignment to the question and the answer. Before it, the church gets built, and the church that Jesus builds will not be, will not, put in capital letters, be overpowered by the gates of Hades. What are the gates of Hades? The flesh, fleshly desires, and the schemes and the lies of the enemy. 
Matthew 16, 18, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, the revelation that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. That is an offensive, not offensive and you're offended, offensive. Basketball, defense, offense, sorry, offensive, not offensive, offensive. It only knows one way, it's forward. It doesn't know reverse. The Bible says that the church says to stand firm, doesn't it? Resist the devil. It doesn't say fight the devil, does it? Why are we fighting the devil when the Bible says to resist him and stand and just speak to him? Who has the authority? Do we really? Well, no, we do because Jesus is being bold in us. So Christ in us gives me the authority to speak because Christ is being formed in me. So I have the authority of Christ, yeah? So why am I trying to fight someone who's already defeated? Because I don't know he's defeated because I'm not in the word because I've been taught that I'm supposed to be fighting the enemy. But I stand firm knowing who I am and his lies come and I go, whatever, mate, those are lies because I know the father of truth. You're the father of lies. I'm an overcomer. You hear it? It's a full position. You see, we've hoodwinked ourselves. We've taught ourselves wrong stuff. And so we think we're in lack. We're not. We've got to realize what's contained in him. But it can only come through revelation, through the seeking of Christ Because he wants the church to just move forward, to be the demonstration of him. And he gives apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists, graced, chosen, empowered with an order to see the church come into unity of the Spirit. I pray, Father, that this church, your church, will be one so a world would know that I was sent for the world. Well, I don't see lost people that know Jesus is for them yet because I don't see a church that's one because I don't see the fivefolder. And I see man doing a lot of building, and it's got to stop. And God's been arresting it here for eight years. Whether you know it or not, it's happening. I say this in love. Whether you know it or not, it is happening. So you can be on the outside of it and never know, and that's why he wants you to be here and hear this, so you can enter into the kingdom, and it can enter into you. How do you do that, Greg? Through surrender and weakness and seeking, and on your face. And God will pick you up, and his power will come, because he sees the true surrendered heart, not the one giving him lip service, but the true surrendered heart, and he will fill you with a reality of power and life, and all of a sudden he'll then pick you up, and you'll be in the kingdom, seeing it, living from it, eating it, drinking it, being filled with it. Where is the kingdom of God, guys? 
So are we living from the kingdom of the spirit or the kingdom of the flesh? The deeds of the flesh are, the fruit of the spirit are. Look at your life and go, which one comes out of me more than the other? I'll know whether I'm being built or not. So God says, I've given you these gifts. Open them up. Receive from them. Yes, they make look weird. Yes, they say some things that are hard, like don't live for yourself. That's not my wife. That's my sister. My children are not my children. They're my sisters. What on earth are you talking about? The truth. Then she's my wife, and then they're my daughters, but they're his daughters, all three of them. And I will not entrust my heart, and we don't trust my heart to one another. Give it to the Lord, and then we'll trust one another, and we'll be oneness. It's so freeing. It's apostolic. It's the reality of the truth as it is. It's the foundation of the foundation which frees the church from itself and the earth's pull. You see, we think it's so natural to love a kid and give your life to a kid. It's not natural. It's fleshly. We need to be apprehended by it, spun around, reattached, artery taken off the child, put onto the Lord. Do you know what it causes? Codependent relationships. Causes living your life through a child, and when the child doesn't match up to the standard that you've already written out for them, you kill them. But they were raising up their God's child to fly like you were called to do, but you're bound by your child. You're in turmoil because your child's not doing what you think they're going to do, but they're not your child. They're his, and their eternal destination is upon him, not you. So release yourself from the pressure that you've put on yourself, that it's your responsibility. Ultimately, they're his. But here's the thing. Have you been doing what you've been called to do? It's the most freeing thing to be free from every single person in your life, retached, because now you can love them with a love that's patient, a love that's kind, a love that endures, a love that holds all things. No wrong, sorry. It ain't jealous. It's apostolic. It's God. And the apostle is given a gracing, given, not earned, given. The prophet is given. The teacher is given. The evangelist is given. The pastor is given. What for? For the equipping and the building up of a church that looks like Christ. Wasn't it Christ that said, you're not my mother and my brother's? Wasn't it Christ that said, I need to be in my father's house? Wasn't it Christ that said all these things that to the flesh look foreign? Drink my blood and eat my flesh. Let's kill him. Wasn't it the people of God that killed Christ? Rome didn't give a rip. It's all right. It's just an agreement. I'll share this with you and we'll finish. Please pray for Danielle and I. Please pray for the eldership. Because when God gave me this, all hell broke loose here. And I mean it. Okay? I faced opposition that I'd never had in the body of Christ. We had demonic activity happening in our house. I was warned 
by my friend, if I get this, he will come knocking. And he did. Now here's the thing, and this isn't to scare us because we have the authority. If he can't get to you, he was going to get to my kids. And he came knocking. But we're raising up kids to know who they are. So they speak to it. And it's continued to come. Black bat trying to rip out my heart, Dad. So all right, honey, speak to it. Felt it in the room when I leant over Danielle. Ice cold, demonic presence. That ain't to scare us. That has no authority. But it's real. And there is massive opposition to this blueprint being established in a church because it will challenge every part of your flesh to the core. Everything that you are hanging on to, it comes and it does this. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) What does Revelation 3 say? Behold, I stand at the door and I That's a different knock. (laughs) It's called Jesus. And that's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Because the church of Laodicea means the church of people's opinions. That's what it means. Laodicea means the church of people's opinions. He says, your opinion is that you're full of life and you're in need of nothing. My opinion on you is that you're not but I want you to be full of life. So I came knocking on your door tonight. Personal invitation from Jesus. King of kings, Lord of lords, sees you. He's at everyone's door tonight knocking, going, I want you in life. I want you, you're in life, but I want you in life. I want you to experience a joy that when trials and tribulation and pain comes, Chris Logan There's something greater in you that's coming at you right now. That's what we heard last night. Pain, intense pain, but a joy so deeply rooted in the innermost being that it spoke to the pain. Hasn't left you, eh, mate? Still in peace, eh? I lost my joy. No. Jesus says, my joy doesn't go anywhere. You may have had happiness. You haven't had joy yet, and yet there's a joy to be discovered. And God says, I give my church five gifts and my spirit, and my power, and my gracing. I give them a ranking. They are called. Get it in order, Simnor. Step back. Watch me build. Amen?